It's Daily Thunder, the truth of Jesus Christ dished out live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado with a bit of manly grit and gusto. Find out more at live.ellerslie.com. Now here's Eric Lutie. Father, thank you so much for Jesus, for the gift of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the revelation of your nature, your, who you are, your love to us in and through your Son. And we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, that we could have the life of Christ within us, the Spirit of the Father crying out within us, Abba. Lord, we are so privileged, so blessed to know you. I pray that we would uh, live and reason and think and behave uh, out of that reality today. Lord, your gospel is the power of God into salvation, and may we truly cherish it afresh. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we ask all these things. Amen. So I've been going through a uh, series called Life Lessons. And it seems like the more I go on with this series, the more I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to be finishing this series soon, and then I have another three or four that pop out, and I just keep going. And I'm recognizing it's probably true that I could go on this for the rest of the fall. I'm assuming I'm not going to. We have an upcoming semester, and semesters are a great opportunity for transition. So I'm assuming that uh, this will eventually come to an end, but I have so many of them. Uh, This is a really interesting one that uh, God taught me way... Uh, early in the game, and it was a significant one because, you know, we all have different personalities. Some people are the rebel, and some people uh, have a tendency towards being the do-gooder. I'm ironically a do-gooder, so I'm one of those guys that wants to obey the rules and to make sure that everyone is, you know, keeping within the bounds that have been set, and it always bothers me when I have one of my buddies that is, like, testing the rules, like, hey, we could do this. I'm like, you're not supposed to do that, and then he would go off and do it. I'm like, ah, and it was always very uncomfortable. So that's sort of, it, it's interesting, depending on how you are wired, you take that into your Christianity. And so if you're a do-gooder, you have a tendency to be a legalist in Christianity. And that was my propensity when I first started, because I hate legalism, by the way. Uh, just like some of you that might not be the do-gooder, you would hate rebellion. It's not like, oh, I love rebellion. It's just that you have a tendency to press rules, you know, and stretch things. Like, is that really necessary? I'm looking for more freedom in my life, and this is a little restraining. We all have a different bent, and maybe there's some middle ground in between uh, where some of you lie. I'm not exactly sure, because I've only been me. Uh, But that's my presumption, is that we have scales in this. And I'm a very disciplined guy, and I like to get things done, and I like to do the same thing every day the same way. And so there was a setup there, and in my early Christianity, I was really struggling with this idea of law, and I didn't understand grace. I didn't understand how you fulfill the righteous requirements of the law and and uh, still stand right before God, how does this work when you have this thing called grace? It sounded like it was just sort of an excuse or a pass to not keep the righteous requirements. And so I, I was emphasizing, it's like, well, this is how I'm supposed to live. This is what the Bible teaches. And what's interesting is it does. It teaches the righteous requirements of the law, but it also reveals something higher, and that is grace. And so when you don't understand grace, it really leaves you struggling 
in this realm, especially with my personality, that is like, okay, God, I'm going to do this for you. And so I'm going to discipline myself. I'm going to build my life in such a way that will showcase perfection to you. And this is where this life lesson comes in. And I call it rules versus relationships. So if any of you have ever heard me uh, in, you know, decades ago speak on relationships and the topic of relationships and sexuality, this was a, a big deal because this is when God was teaching it to me. Because when you get into the topic of sexuality, of romance and relationships, boy, there's a great opportunity for rules to take over. It's like, don't do this, don't look this way, don't ever think of speaking this. You know, there's all sorts of barriers that can quench beauty. Because relationships innately are a very beautiful thing, and the way that they unfold is supposed to be poetic and life-giving, and yet we as Christians specialize in sort of snuffing that out because of rules. And yet at the same time, you know, there's nothing wrong with a rule in and of itself. You know that Eric Ludi has all sorts of rules in my home, and they're not like legalistic rules, they're just rules. I think I mentioned, well, for some reason it feels familiar, that I mentioned one of our key rules uh, the other day in A Daily Thunder, and that is no Ludi kid is allowed to run around naked in the house. This has been installed since the very youngest ages of my kids when they started going mobile. You always have to have clothes on, okay? Now, you could say that is oppressive. You say, no, it's wise. And so wisdom can be applied in a rule, but there's a difference. My kids, my love for my kids does not depend on that rule. In other words, it's not like they earn a position in my home because they keep that rule. It's to bring order and respect and honor and love. In other words, you're not loving to the rest of the family if you're scampering around the house without any clothes on. And so if I want to teach my kids love, that's, that's where we start. That's a good place, at least, to show respect and honor to those around them. And so rules aren't necessarily evil any more than law is. Law isn't bad, it's just that law can't save you. And so when you make it your savior, when you make it the thing that is required to be right with God, then suddenly you begin to skew Christianity. The law was given by God to teach us our need of Jesus, grace. And when you understand that, it sort of frees you to enter into a higher way, a better way, a stronger way of living out your life. All right, so let's go through this. In Colossians uh, chapter 2, it says, If you died with Christ in the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. These are rules. So Paul is saying, look, if you have died to all of this system, why are you still subjecting yourself to it? I remember reading this when I was just a, you know, that young age where I was really struggling with these things, and this seemed like Paul was just speaking, you know, garbly gook. I mean, because there's no way. What do you mean? There's a, do not touch that. You have to have that in there. I mean, if I don't have do not touch, I'm going to touch it. And so I need the rule uh, to restrain me. The rule is what helps me. You can't lift the rule off. Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. Could you imagine as parents if we didn't have that? And we're just like, hey, whatever you want. There's the gas stove and my kid's reaching for it. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not going to say do not touch. Of course I'm going to say do not touch. And so it's not that rules don't have a place. It's just that as you mature and as you enter into the kingdom of heaven, you are recognizing that you could be governed by rules and it's going to snatch the life out. But there is something higher better and more powerful that is intended to replace it. So do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish 
with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. You could set up a whole bunch of rules in your life, but it doesn't actually tame your selfishness. It doesn't change your desire. The fact that you have a rule oftentimes empowers your desire. Do not touch that. And then what does someone say? I must touch. You see, if you didn't even bring the rule, you wouldn't even be thinking that. Did I ever tell you guys the story of the, uh, the college? It was like a university, and down the road from it was this like hotel, like a three-story uh, thing, and they had a little pond out back. And these, to graduate from the school was sort of an unspoken thing. Well, it was spoken amongst the students, but it wasn't like a written thing. Uh, the students would, to graduate officially, because like at Whitworth College, which is now Whitworth University, which I went to, uh, you had to catch a pine cone falling from a tree to officially graduate. That's all, you know, it was a joke, but that was just part of the lore. Well, at this college, it was you had to jump from the third-story window into the pond. Uh, and so that was part of the thing. So uh, these students would rent the room and jump out of the window. So the, the owner of this hotel was horrified uh, by this, and so he sticks a big sign up on the side of the building that says, do not jump from this window. And then, do you think that helps? No, that just empowered. Now everyone's going, I, I must jump from that window. If someone's gonna tell me I can't jump from the window, now I really need to jump from the window. So now it's probably additional to the college students, now it's all the high school students too. It's like, hey, we have to participate in this nonsense. It does nothing to cancel out and to nullify the power of the flesh. You see, you have this element inside of you that craves self Ishness. It wants your way. It wants to fulfill your desires. And putting up rules in your life does not curb that. There is something that God intended to give us, and he gave it to us in Christ Jesus, that is better than rules. It is superior to do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. It is superior, and it works. And that's when you say law, grace. Grace is the answer. And so in my Life lesson, I'm calling it rules versus relationships. What does it relate? How could a relationship uh, impact you? How could that be more powerful? So, the old way and the new way. So, Paul is going to begin to enunciate a new way. You're going to see him begin to uh, share this all throughout his epistles. But in Romans 7, he has a very interesting enunciation of it. My brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ. And so there's these regulations, there's these rules, there's this law. And because of the work of Christ, and because we have identified in the work of Christ, which is what it's talking about in Romans 6 right before this, we have entered into Christ's death, we have entered into Christ's burial, we have entered into Christ's resurrection. In other words, we have left Adam and we've entered into Christ. And so, my brethren, you have also become dead to the law through the body of Christ. So if we are truly in Christ... Then we are now dead to the law, that you may be married to another. And it's interesting that even the construct that Paul is using is he's using marriage as the picture, which is a symbol of covenant, but marriage is a relationship. So we had a relationship with the law, and now we are dead to that, and we are marrying another. We are marrying to him who was raised from the dead. So we are marrying Christ. 
that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. Remember jumping from the third story window? Yeah, that, that was aroused uh, under the law. But now, having been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. So there seems to be a new way to serve. And it's not do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. It is in the newness of the spirit of God that we are supposed to do this thing called Christianity. It's not by rules. It's by being married to another. It's by a relationship that actually it draws out this greater strength. So the attempts at perfection by a young Eric Ludi. So I have tried to be perfect. Okay, I don't know how many of you have really tried this, but it is an embarrassing thing to look back on to realize that in all my attempts, I genuinely thought that if God was commissioning me to live right, that I could do it. But I figured I could do it in my own strength. As I always say, my own pocket strength. I said, okay, Eric, let's see what you got. And so I gave it my best. Uh, so funny fasting, the watches in the night, and the dutiful disciplines. I have so many embarrassing stories that I could share. I'm not going to go into all those, even though I'm sure they would be very entertaining for all of you. Uh, my sister, I, I just went out to Michigan, was visiting my sister uh, out there, and she brought up some stories. Uh, she was in my life in this time, and so we were talking about something. Go, oh, yeah, remember the fasting? She goes, yes, I do. Uh, and she said, do you remember the time we sat down to eat our dinner, and uh, we prayed, and then she took a bite, right? And then after she took a bite, I said something like, this is just terrible. I feel we're supposed to fast this meal. <laughs> And I, my, my conscience was so sharp. It's like I couldn't eat unless I got freedom to eat. And so it's like I had to get a check off from the Holy Spirit. I wasn't getting the check off. And my sister was, was just going and eating. And so I like, it's, my sister's like, oh, well, we're supposed to fast this meal? And I mean, she'd already taken a bite. It's like, and I was just horrifying. I mean, to think back, it's like, oh, Eric, what, what were you doing? But I, I wanted to be right, and I, I didn't want to ever transgress. And if I wasn't supposed to eat that meal, I couldn't eat it. And my sister shouldn't eat it either. <laughs> oh, terrible. This one time, uh, we had a fast. Uh, one of the most miserable experiences of my life. We had a seven-day fast. And my, even my concept for fasting was so upside down. It was sort of like, by me fasting, I'm moving God to do something. Instead of recognizing that fasting is a statement of dependence, saying, God, my life is yours, and I allow you to be my strength, and I'm not going to try and manipulate. I'm going to let you be God. I mean that. So I'm like doing the exact opposite with fasting, which really doesn't work. And so I... Uh, really struggled with food for a whole season of my life because of this. And so when I went to missionary school, uh, I, I was having trouble. I felt like I needed to pray before I ate every single time. Now, Paul actually calls this a sensitive conscience, like a weak conscience, and that's definitely what I had. And so the, the attempts at perfection by young Eric Ludi, uh, I think the best culmination story is when I was... Uh, had that seven-day fast, and the whole week I was reading cookbooks. I mean, what kind of fast is that? I, I mean, I was so longing for food, and I didn't have it, uh, so I was just 
miserable the whole time. And then we ended the fast. My sister was doing this with me. Uh, sorry to drag my sister into this poor thing if she listens to this. It's like, I had nothing to do with that. But uh, we finished our fast at 12 midnight. The moment 12 midnight came, I already had my bowl of tomato soup in front of me because you had to break a fast with, you know, some lighter type of fare and uh, like soups. And so I had my bowl of soup at 12 o'clock, 12 midnight. I'm like digging into it. And I think I ate around seven to eight bowls. Uh, okay, so this is, this is a little history of, of Eric Ludi. I had this one time where I was studying about the watches in the night. You know, the Jewish uh, culture has different watches where there'd be the changes of the guard. And, and so there were some statements in Scripture about keeping the watches. And, and so I was very interested in keeping the watches of the night. Well, there's all sorts of them. I don't remember the, the hours for them, if it's like one, three, five, seven. You know, there, there's a lot of watches, right? And so I <clears throat> would get up, I'd set my alarm, and I would get up at like one in the morning and get on my knees to pray, and I would fall asleep. And so I, I mean, I would... I was so tired, but I would get up, and then three, I'd try and get up, and it was miserable. I mean, it was absolute torture uh, to try and live this way, but I so wanted to do it God's way. I so wanted to be right with God. Uh, the dutiful disciplines, you know, my prayer life, my study life, for me, my prayer and my study were how I garnered God's approval. And so if I was consistent with those things, then God would smile upon me. And I had this backwards. There was something upside down and contorted in my Christianity, which was leading to a misery in my spiritual life. Uh, I was, I'd lost my happiness in this time. And I was serious about Christianity, but I used to smile and laugh all the time, and then I became a Christian. And I got very, very serious. And my mom gave me a book called Laugh Again uh, in this time. I was like, well, I don't need that. I'm fine. I'm a strong Christian. But that's what I needed. I needed to laugh again. There was something missing. You see, when you are ruled by rules, instead of what God intends you to be ruled by, because God still desires to lead you. He still desires you to live well, but out of a different source. And when you try and live out of self's own ability, self's own power, you're going to fail in actually living out the Christian life. The Christian life is supposed to be marked by peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Something was missing from young Eric Ludi. Though I meant well, I was living far more like a Pharisee than I was as a Christian. So the illustration that sort of came to me, this is like 25 years ago, okay? So we're going way back in the Eric Ludi archives where I was struggling with this, and this is the illustration, if I could say it this way, that God gave me to sort of express the distinction. And I remember it started with the fact that when I would go, my, my, my parents had chores all growing up, and we would do our chores, and I always bucked against the chores. I hated chores. Chores were miserable. And I still did them, but if you asked me, well, Eric, why did you do them if they were so miserable? Because if I didn't, there was punishment. And so because of the fear of punishment, I would do what I didn't enjoy doing. And many of us carry into Christianity the same dutiful behaviors. In other words, well, why do you do that? Why do you study the Bible? Because I don't want to get on the bad side of God. Why do you pray? Well, because I don't want God to get mad at me. Why do you share the gospel? Well, you know, because God requires me to. 
It's like, oh, that's a miserable way to live your life. And yet, many of us sort of transfer the same chore mentality into our Christian life. So when I went over to my grandparents, I remember after dinner, I would get up and clean the dishes. And I was doing it for my grandparents, and as a result, I enjoyed it. And I remember my mom saying something like, well, it'd be nice if you uh, enjoyed cleaning the dishes at home. And I remember actually having the thought, now this is when I was young, and I didn't really like my mom's comment, but the thought was, why is it so much easier to clean the dishes at my grandparents than it is at my own home? It was just a thought, and of course my mom's little commentary on the side sort of aggravated me more than helped me. But then when I am entering into this season of relationship with Leslie, and I'm feeling like, God, I really want to do this right. I want to dot every I, I want to cross every T, but I was feeling that oppression of rules, and I didn't want it. I wanted the beauty of relationship, and I knew it was there, but I didn't know how to balance this. I, I, I feel like if I, if I don't obey the rules, then I'm going to veer off uh, and go into, you know, off a cliff in my uh, moral life. I, I feel like I need the rule, I need the law to be able to keep me and to hem me in. So how do I do this, God? And this is the illustration that sort of began to unfold. So as I said, uh, in the Ludi house growing up, we had chores. And so it was one of those every three nights type of a thing where I had to clean the kitchen. And so it was my brother, and then it was my sister, then it was me, you know, on Wednesday night, just to give an illustration. And it always seemed like someone was like erasing uh, their name and sticking my name in, because it seemed like it was every night, you know, according to me. And so I was always like, what? No way, I just did it last night. And my mom would show me the calendar, no, Chrissy did it last night. And I'm like, I don't remember that. I think I did it last night. And it was, I mean, I feel so bad for my mom in dealing with young Eric Ludy because I was just miserable. I was, I always wanted to get to the park and play with my, my buddies after dinner, and I don't have time for cleaning the kitchen. There's, there's things I want to be doing. And so she would be like, Eric, you're not going anywhere until you clean the kitchen. <sighs> so did I clean the kitchen? Mm, yes, sort of. When you are motivated by a rule, when you are motivated by the threat of punishment, did you know that you go to the bare minimum and you do the bare minimum? You will do only what is required to get it done. And so what do I do? I'm like, I don't remember how to clean the kitchen. She's like, Eric, I've told you this 50 times how to clean the kitchen. And so, you know, I'm like, uh, and I stick some stuff in the dishwasher, close it, and I'm like, I'm done, I'm done. And she comes down, did you scrub the counter? You didn't tell me to scrub the counter. Eric, that is always a part of the job. And so I'm like, she leaves the room, and I, I, I get a little uh, rag, and I wet the end of it, and then I, I look for the big spaghetti stains. I'm like, ear, 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 ear. I'm not actually cleaning the counter. I'm just making it look like I cleaned the counter, right? And then my mom, I'm going, I'm done, I'm done. She goes, did you clean under things? Did you polish uh, the, the, the fixtures? You didn't tell me to do that. And she's like, Eric Ludi. You know, so... This went on and on, okay? I'm trying to get the job done. I'm making my mom miserable, right? I'm miserable the whole time. Finally, she just gives up. She's like, okay, get out of here. <laughs> so I would scamper off like, yeah, finally. Okay, that's, if you live your Christianity that way, I'm just telling you, God is miserable <laughs> and putting up with that. 
and you're going to be miserable. It's just the wrong way to approach life. So this is the key thought right here. I'm just going to see if I can bottle it up for all of us. Now, whether or not you've ever tasted this, I want you to taste this. Okay, now my mom and I were like oil and water all growing up. Okay, we didn't, if she said white, I would say black. If she said oil, I'd say water. Whatever would be the opposite, I would tend to pick. So doing nice things for my mom, unfortunately, and looking back at my childhood, they were few and far between. They were rare moments. She had to twist my arm to do nice things. Uh, it's like, you should do something nice for your mom on Mother's Day. It's like, you know, it was not the healthiest model. I don't want any of you to follow the pattern. But there were those moments where I was being softened. You know those moments where you're seeing clearly and you actually appreciate the things in your life that God has put there? You know, I, wasn't, I, I grew up in a Christian home, but I don't even know if I could call myself a Christian. You know, I hadn't been awakened. There was something missing in Eric Ludi, and I was living a chore life. My mom was gone. What, I, what she was doing, I don't know, but the kitchen was dirty. And I had an inspiration, and that was that I could clean the kitchen for my mom. I know, it sounds uh, like a pretty strange idea for young Eric Ludi to have, but I had it. And I remember cleaning the kitchen, same job that I was doing as a chore, but doing it out of relationship and out of love and out of a desire to serve, and it came to life. And so suddenly, now when you do something out of a chore, out of a fear of punishment, you do the bare minimum. But when you do something out of love and out of a desire to gift to someone else, you will find that you will go the extra mile. So what am I doing? I'm going far beyond whatever my mom has asked in the past. I'm cleaning the front of the dishwasher. I'm sweeping the floor. I'm mopping the floor. I'm polishing the fixtures. I'm cleaning the window behind. My brother comes in to get a glass of water. I'm like, hey, hey, don't touch the kitchen. You go into the bathroom to get your water. I'm cleaning this. The whole while, you know what's in my head? The whole while I picture my mom coming in, you know, maybe with groceries or something, and then dropping them on the floor and going, who oh, 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 cleaned the kitchen? And then I'd be around the corner, I, oh, that was me. And then my mom would be moved to tears and then run up and hug me, go, oh, that's so sweet. I'm picturing this in my mind. I am doing what I'm doing because of a relationship. When you are motivated by a rule, you may do the job, you may get it done, yes, but it will be miserable. When you do it out of relationship, it brings the job, what otherwise would be a chore, to life. I just described to you how Christianity is supposed to function. You see, we are commissioned to lay down our life for Jesus, to pick up a cross and to follow him. We are commissioned to love those that hate us, to rejoice when we're falsely accused, and to leap for joy. Okay, you try and do that out of a rule, and you're going to find that you're going to be lacking the oomph when the time comes. It's like, oh, I'm supposed to lay down my life right now. If you're doing it out of a rule, you're going to fail when the testing comes. But if you're doing it out of love, the illustration I used to always replay in my mind was Eric Ludi being led to his execution. It was a beheading. That was in, in my, my head. Sorry to be so gruesome there. But that's, there was, so there was this guy with this big hood over his head. And uh, then they asked me, there's the guillotine there, and they asked me, 
Eric Ludi, so this is the henchman guy. He's like, Eric Ludi, deny Christ or die. And I look at him, I'm saying, you, are you serious? You actually think I would deny Christ? You've obviously never met him. Jesus Christ gave everything for me. I would gladly lay down my life. And there's no way I would ever deny him. I love him with every fiber of my being. In fact, you should get to know him. In other words, in that moment, love triumphs as opposed to duty. So deny Christ or die. Well, let's see. What is the right thing to do? What does scripture say I should do in this situation? I think I'm supposed to maintain my position and to not, uh, not do that. No, I will not deny Christ. In other words, yeah, I could get the right answer out, but it's hollow. You see, God built us as vehicles of love. We will be known as his disciples by love. Everything about Christianity is animated. It's an action-based thing. And we are supposed to be moved and operating in the spirit of love. And when we do that, watch out world. It doesn't just change the world, but it brings delight to us. Living out Christianity, there are two ways to go about doing it. So just like there's two ways to clean the kitchen, there's two ways to go about living out Christianity. So for each of us, I think it would be good this morning to just freshly ponder that. How am I living this? Am I living, am I living out the Christian life because I'm supposed to? Or because I love Jesus? And if you find yourself moving into that chore mentality, hop out of it. Go to your grandparents and wash the dishes. Get that fresh feel of what it means to do something for someone instead of doing just the right thing. Father, I thank you so much for your ways, for your grace, for the fact that you desire to move in and live this life in and through us. You desire to stir within us, to plant within us, to pour within us your love. That we would be moved, operating, and activated to love. Lord, I pray that each one of us, whatever angle we are approaching this from, whatever our life circumstances today, would just freshly remember this. And we'd be lifted up out of the morass of chore living into the rarefied airs of love living. Lord, we submit our lives to you. We ask that you would go before us and behind us, prepare the hearts of those we will encounter today. We desire to share you with them. And I pray that we would not be so caught up in our own thing that we would miss sharing Jesus with this world around us. We love you and we trust you. It's in the precious name we pray. Amen. Daily Thunder is a production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training and the Bravehearted Media Group. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and see it once again gain the stride of the Spirit emboldened and brave. The Daily Thunder video stream can be watched live daily at 8.15 a.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Saturday, and 7.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. Please consider booking a stopover at the lovely Ellerslie campus at the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains for one day, one week, one semester, 
for an entire season. We hope to see you someday soon, live and in person. Thanks for listening.